Welcome to the Beach Grove United Methodist Church Podcast, where you can hear our Sunday morning sermons in audio form and take them wherever you go. A reminder that if you want to watch the entire service, our services are available on our YouTube channel linked in the podcast notes. We would love it if you would subscribe to the podcast so that new sermons come into your feed as soon as they are available, and you can do this using your favorite podcasting app. We would love it if you would help to support the missions and ministries here at Beach Grove through your tithes and your offerings. A donation link is also linked in the notes below. And lastly, find us on Facebook and Instagram to follow along with all the fun things happening at Beach Grove, whether you live in Suffolk, Virginia or not. We hope you enjoyed this week's message, and please don't forget to share it with others. The scripture lesson for this sermon is Psalm 13, a prayer for deliverance from enemies. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I bear pain in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all day long? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep the sleep of death. And my enemy will say, I have prevailed. My foes will rejoice because I am shaken. But I trust in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us go to God in prayer. Holy and gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each one of our hearts be holy and pleasing to you that through these words here today, we would come to know you more, grow in your love more, and learn more about ourselves in the process. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So my, one of my favoritest movies of all time, favoritest, is that, that's not a word. It's my word. I'm, I, I was often told I'm a theologian. I'm allowed to make words up whenever I want. One of my favoritest movies of all time is Goodwill Hunting. How many of y'all have seen Goodwill Hunting? All right, so it came out in 1997, so I'm not legally obligated to say spoiler alert, but spoiler alert. Um, If you haven't seen it, it's a great movie. And it stars uh, two of the main characters that that I want to focus on is uh, the character that is played by Matt Damon, whose name is Will Hunting. That's why it's called Good Will Hunting. We're not going hunting, unfortunately, so you hunting folks, uh, this is not a movie about hunting. And Dr. Sean McGuire, who is played by Robin Williams, and this is honestly one of my most favorite Robin Williams acting jobs ever. And there's this ultimate scene towards the end of the movie between Sean and Will, where finally we have this opportunity to unpack the trauma of what has happened to Will through his entire life. And you see, Will is this, uh, this character in the movie who is wrestling with so, so many things psychologically, but he is this mathematical savant who knows and has so much knowledge and information, but almost hinders himself from being able to do anything with it. And over the course of the movie, we see this interaction between Will and Dr. Sean, who is assigned as his psychologist to help him unpack these things. And it's in this scene where where Sean has just gotten in the, uh, Dr. Sean has just gotten to this heated discussion with his good friend, who is the mathematics professor at the institution that he's trying to get Will to, to be a part of. 
And then on the backhand of this really big argument, this really big expression of frustration, Will comes into Sean's office and there is this moment of Will letting out every single bit of emotion that he has held in for the entirety, not just of the movie, but of his entire life. He unpacks the abuse that he experienced as a child and Sean helps him to understand the way that not allowing these emotions to come out has impacted him in his adult life. Will, who up until this point struggled to express any sort of emotion, just begins to weep in Sean's arms as he struggles and comes to try and express everything that has gotten him to this point in his life. I mean, really, it truly is just a phenomenal moment to see this just like hardcore Bostonian guy break down in this doctor's office when he's given the opportunity to express his emotions. And so, too, as we consider what our life looks like, what it looks like to practice a healthy self-care ritual, it comes in these emotional expressions, the way we express ourselves both before humanity and before God begin to play this huge role in how our relationships develop and also how we care for ourselves in our spirits. I mean, I often point to this film as sort of this basis for the need of establishing healthy emotional self-care rituals because without these healthy expressions of emotions, it can lead us to do things that either will harm us or harm others or harm our relationship with God. And as we begin to look at this theology of self-care that we are trying to build in this series, We've already been through a lot, right? We've, we've established this biblical, this scriptural nature of self-care that, that doesn't just find itself in, in what may seem like a random part of scripture that I, that I pulled out, but it establishes itself right in the great commandment that Jesus offers to us, right in the biblical basis of, of spiritual love and grace for, other, for humanity. We looked at this nature of defining ourselves by the worth, not that we receive from others, but the worth that we receive from God and the nature in which that gives us this role, this opportunity, this, this onus of practicing self-care in our lives so that we are in this healthy state to be able to live out our faith, our vocation, our life with other people and with God. And we've dove into this understanding of our mental health, of our spiritual health, of our emotional health. And as we continue to build on this theology, it is this understanding of recognizing the need for healthy emotions and healthy emotional responses, whether that is a healthy emotional response to other human beings or healthy re emotional responses to God. And so as we look at what an emotional response looks like, one of the first ways that we really express ourselves emotionally in life and really probably, I, I don't want to say easiest, but probably one of the most go-to things that we have is prayer, right? And often we treat our prayer life as sometimes as sort of this release of everything that we feel and we just let it go to God, but then sometimes we use that in an unhealthy manner because we allow the anger, the hurt, the sadness, we allow these emotions that we feel to negatively impact our relationship with God. 
And so then sometimes it colors the way that we truly end up praying. We do it in a way that just becomes complainive of what we think or what we accuse God of doing in our lives. And instead of truly expressing our feelings, we mask our emotions, and sometimes we even blame God. Right? This comes from this unhealthy theology of trying to find a reason for for both the good and the bad in life, right? We want to say when good things happen, well, thanks be to God for all the good things that have happened in my life. And so when we think in that way, it often then comes on the flip side of when bad things happen. Well, God, why did you do this to me, right? God, why did you put that pothole in front of me and cause me to fall and cause me to break my arm? God, why did you take my, my friends from me? God, why did you take my family from me? We start to blame God for the bad things too. Instead of taking the opportunity to allow our emotions to drive a relationship where instead of blaming God for the bad, we invite God in in the midst of the bad stuff. Friends, hear it from me right now. God is not the cause of the bad things in our lives. But let me tell you something else. God is there at every moment, at every second. God can receive our criticism and anger, but we should not direct our criticism and anger towards God. We should bring it before God so that God will help us learn and understand in the process how we can grow from it. Right? We must move our theology and thought process away from this idea of a blaming God. And, and sometimes we have to take responsibility that something bad happens to us. Or sometimes we have to recognize that bad exists in this world, unfortunately. And then we turn to God as a source of spiritual, emotional, physical, mental healing. And then the other side of those emotional expressions, right? So we talked about our emotional expressions to God, and now we talk about our emotional expressions with other people. And this is where it begins to get a little bit more tricky. Because oftentimes in our lives, we're, we're taught to hide our emotions, right? If anybody, if anybody truly sees how crazy I am, they're not going to love me, right? We've heard that sometimes. If anybody sees the anger that I could express, if anybody sees my sadness, if anybody sees me crying in public, I could be labeled as weak, hate-filled, irrational. Right? We build up these unhealthy perceptions of emotional expression. And because of that, we haven't even figured out how to even talk about our emotions in a healthy manner. If I have, a, if I have an outburst of anger, which um, unfortunately I sometimes have, I just get told that I'm irrational. If I start to cry or have a panic attack, I'm told to just feel better, to perk myself up. Sometimes I'm told to just stop crying. Harkening back to our discussion on mental health. Not only have we failed to develop healthy emotional responses that allow us to unpack our emotions, but we've gone so far as to make emotions and emotional expressions a stigma in our society as well. 
And when we come to look at what a healthy emotional response looks like, sometimes we're lost without words, without meaning, and without understanding. And so as we take a look at both of these manners of, of both of these rituals of self-care, that is this emotional expression between you and God and emotional expression between you and humanity. Sorry, that arm still hurts. Emotional expression with God and emotional expression with humanity. We begin to unpack the way in which it involves relational understandings and the way we look at different relationships in our lives, right? I can have my emotional expression is going to look different between me and God is going to look different between me and my spouse is going to look different than me and my kids. And it's finding ways to healthily express those emotions in each of these situations that becomes a ritual of our self-care practice. And it becomes, and it begins by taking a perspective of this divine presence and living with the understanding that when things happen in our lives, right, not only does God not cause the suffering, but oftentimes God is present and not oftentimes, all the time God is present in the suffering to help us heal. And the people who love us in life, often even sometimes people that we have uh, differing relationships with often provide healing as well. And it's finding those relationships that help us to unpack our emotions, right? I'm not just going to go to Walmart, find the random person in aisle 27 and start unloading my life story upon them. Because then I might get checked into a mental institution. But I give thanks to God every night that I have a, a loving spouse who when I come home tattered from the day, will sit and listen to me. I give thanks to God for a therapist who I pay a certain amount of money a month to sit on a couch and listen. No, that's a little tongue-in-cheek there. But I give thanks to God for friends, for clergy colleagues who when I need a moment and an opportunity to unpack an emotion that I'm feeling related to something will sit and listen to me without judgment and help me to learn and grow in my understanding. Because you know what is funny about anger? You know what's funny about sadness? You know what's funny about many of these emotions? Sometimes they blind us to what actually is going on in life. And so when we don't have a healthy opportunity to process them, we end up making poor decisions. And we see here in our Psalm passage today, y'all probably wondering when I was getting to the, the Bible, Took me a while, sorry. This is just one example. And honestly, like there are, there are a bunch of what are called Psalms of Lament. I could have picked any one of them. Um, honestly, I just picked the first one that I remembered about, or the first one that I found in the book of Psalms. Psalm 13 is the Psalm of Lament. And, and you heard it as, as Katrina was reading it for us. Right? And this is just filled with emotion towards God. How long, O oh Lord? How long, O oh God? How long will I be in this situation? How long will this happen to me? How many of us have ever said that? How long, God, must I go through this? As I lift my arm for the like fifth time today. But you see this language of lament that we learn here in Psalms like Psalm 13. 
as we enter in and we look at it, it gives us not only a language of how to talk to God, but it gives us a language of how to talk to one another as well. Because within this Psalm of Lament, we see unpacked as we work our way down and we look and we see the way that the psalmist moves and transforms from verse one, where we hear, how long, O Lord, right? Will you forget me forever? This person feels as though they have been abandoned by God. How long must I bear pain in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all day long? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? These are cries of a person who is trying to find meaning, purpose, and understanding in the pain in their lives and they're turning to God. Getting to the point there in verses five and six where the psalmist says, but I trusted in your steadfast love. And in that, right, in that we see my heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Now, I know this is, a, this is a short passage, and so it might seem like this person is, is bipolar, going from one side of the spectrum to the other. But I prefer to think of it as a, as a long, longer conversation that happens with God. A conversation that brings this psalmist from a point of, of having a physical and emotional response to what is happening in their life, expressing grief and heartache about where they are, and moving to a point where they rest in God's steadfast love. And this is something that is deeply embedded in our religious tradition. Right? It's an opportunity within Scripture. And, and, and really, some of the passages, some of the Psalms that we have really express this truly and beautifully. But we have other examples as well. Examples that we've looked at, right? In the book of Job. In the book of Lamentations. L- Lam- lament. Asians, lamentations, even Jesus himself offers a lament. Because lament offers this emotional expression to God, and it's this language that we derive from these sorts of passages that really, I think, help us unpack these holy emotions. And we see that in these passages, and, and primarily because in a lot of them we don't get that, that two-sided dialogue that we often see from the prophets, but we get an opportunity where we almost see God being treated as a therapist, expressing our emotions so that as we are in this conversation with God, we know that from God we receive no judgment, and therefore as we are having this conversation with God, God is looking on us bountifully, bountifully beautifully, lovingly, to help us know and understand how we can grow from these incidents, how we can grow from this suffering. And they bring us to a more deep understanding, not just of the human condition, but even deeper into how we can care for ourselves. Right? This is the language that becomes the basis for our self-care and for our self-care conversations When I was in seminary, my Hebrew Bible professor, um, I often say she wrote the book on Psalms, um, only because it literally is a book that is on Psalms. But she just has this beautiful understanding that calls the church to reclaim this language of lament. Because it can help the church, it can help the people of the church speak the truth about the human experience and life of faith. 
And it turns the church back onto this true biblical witness. Friends, to have an emotional self-care ritual invites us to express holy emotions. Naturally, we should feel comfortable talking about what is going on in our hearts, what's going on in our spirits, what's going on in our minds. We should be able to have conversations. We should be able to have people in our lives that we feel like we can do that with. It's not me just walking up randomly to random people. Oftentimes, it's not even me walking up to, to many of you. Sometimes it is, but it is knowing who in your life understands you. And there's the God aspect of being able to find a way to talk to God without blaming God, without putting the onus on God, but really inviting God in to help you learn and grow. And then it's doing that with humanity as well. It's finding those persons in your personal journey that you can talk to, that can help you in that way of hearing the word of God in your life. The right places, the right spaces, to express these emotions with God and with humanity. This is why I think everybody should have a therapist. I know it's sometimes it's not financially able. Having someone who you can talk through things with. And then this is why I also love things like running. Because that's my time where I can spend with God. That's my time where I can, especially if I'm frustrated, just let everything out on the pavement. I can have time to process, to reflect. Right? And these are just, these are just two practices. And friends, these are my practices. So don't think you need to take them as your practices. Unless you want to run and then call me and we'll go on a run together. No, no takers yet? All right. Offers out there. And you see, this is just, it's something that has been a part of the faith since, since the early, early times. Back in the days of the prophets and the kings, back in the times of Jesus, back in the times of the disciples. These were natural ways that they unpacked things. I mean, there's such a holiness and emotion. We see that even Jesus wept. Even Jesus got angry. We even hear from Paul that anger is not a bad thing, but it's when our anger leads us to harm others, to hurt others, to cause pain in this world. Friends, we have to reclaim this understanding of healthy emotions. We have to know and see the ways in which we can express these to one another and express them to God. As human beings, we must be willing to find those opportunities. Because I fear if we don't, we will continue in this path, not just of misunderstanding ourselves, but misunderstanding one another as well. And it starts with understanding how to express these. Right? We've seen in this series this nature of self-care centrally and directly connected to the manner in which we both love God and love our neighbors. That's why it's so important to do this inner work, to be a part of this inner dialogue, both with ourselves, with God, and with those who are closest to us. And so what systems can we put in place 
that are going to help us on that spiritual and that emotional level to express our feelings, to express our emotions. I often tell people it's okay to have Jesus and a therapist. In fact, sometimes it is highly encouraged. It's okay to have that connection to our faith and that connection to be able to express our feelings with other people in our life as well. And so how are we building up that ritual to care for ourselves? Amen.